When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Summer days, summer nights are gone. Summer days and the summer nights are gone. I know a place where there's still something going on. I got a house on the hill. I got hogs all out in the mud. I got a house on a hill. I got hogs lying out in the mud. Got a long-haired woman. She got royal Indian blood. Everybody get ready. Lift up your glasses and sing. Everybody get ready to lift up your glasses and sing. While I'm standing on the table, I'm proposing a toast to the king. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host of Free Will and Rob Kelly, and joining me this week to talk about the super fun song, Summer Days, from 2001's Love and Theft, is fellow Bobcat, Sam Johnson. Hi, Sam. Hello, Rob. Pleasure to be with <laughs> Great you. To, thank you. Great to have you here. Now, uh, you, are, you are in Ontario right now? Is that where you're from? Uh, yeah, I'm in Sudbury, Ontario, so kind of northern Ontario. Okay. Not, now, not so different from Duluth. It's, it's kind of like lake country. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So now we talked a little bit online before, of course, you came on the show. Now, you are – how old are you? You're one of Bob's younger fans, I would say, uh, right? Yeah, I, I just turned 29. So, I mean, I'm not that young, but like – on the scale of things since he's been okay. around since like right. <laughs> 1960 <laughs> okay yeah i mean like i'm kind of like uh starting to to compare them i guess by like what album is older than they are <laughs> like at right. some point so I mean, yeah. oh yeah i was gonna say love and theft is actually the first like album i can remember coming out and like right. being old enough to experience uh like as it came out <laughs> But yeah. <laughs> Eventually, I'm going to have somebody who's like, oh, yeah, Love and Theft is older than me. I'm right. Gonna, oh, yeah. Lord. It's not that so, far away. <laughs> so, um, well, then, I, I, so of course, uh, since it's your first time on the show, I want to ask you, like, how did you become a fan of Bob in the first place? Well, really, it's through my dad. Like, um, he was a big Bob Dylan fan, and I can remember his music being around uh, really, you know, since since my earliest memories, I guess, like hearing his songs or seeing his records around. And yeah, particularly I remember like the Biograph um, collection. Right, right. So like, uh, I don't know if you have it, but it was a big like vinyl box set. Oh, yeah. Ki- yeah, yeah kind of yeah. colored gray and with a big like picture of Bob's head in red on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just remember seeing that around the house and like thinking of him as the guy with the red face. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then I think like the earliest songs I remember hearing are like Tangled Up in Blue and Mr. Tambourine Man and kind of just being like overwhelmed by um, like the music and the words even before I was old enough to kind of like understand it literally I guess mm-hmm. just kind of listening to the the music and like hearing the rhymes and um, kind of letting it wash over me I guess so yeah I think I always had that kind of awareness of Bob um, and then like I remember as I got older kind of asking my dad like so where is he actually from like like uh, like how old is he how did you discover Bob to them and those kind of questions um and yeah like i grew up in england and uh every every year or two at least he comes on tour and um so the first time i saw him i was about 15 years old i wanted to see him yeah i wanted to see him before then like he came on tour to to my town when i was about 10 i think and my dad went but (laughs) he thought i was too young to go at that point so (laughs) (laughs) uh so yeah i had to wait a few years until he came back um but yeah it was great to see him when i was 15 i think in 2006 and since then i've probably seen him 10 or 11 times like um in bournemouth in london and like here in canada now which is where i'm living now 
very nice. You're off yeah, to a yeah. good start. That's a lot of uh, that's a lot of concerts to see in a, just a couple of years. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I feel really lucky because yeah, he, he comes to England at least while I was living there, um, probably once a year. So so while I was living in London, like when I was around 19, I moved to London to go to university. Um, so it seemed like he was playing almost every year, and yeah, I would just buy a ticket to one or two concerts and go along and see him. I guess one of the benefits to if you're being exposed to him for the first time, being exposed via Biograph, is that you got yeah. to hear a lot of different kinds of stuff. Yeah, you for know, sure. I mean, so it's all like you didn't particularly like this one era. You maybe like this other era, if, as opposed to just getting one album. And maybe if that one album didn't do much for you, but Biograph, you're hearing stuff from three different decades, and so you're there's a lot more chances for you to find something that you liked. And obviously, that's what happened. Yeah. So yeah, I think I had like a, a sense of the sweep of his career from you know from before I was maybe ten years old, and then once I got to like ten or eleven, um, I started like searching through my dad's record collection like a little <laughs> a little more deeply and um so i discovered like the uh the albums from the 60s and yeah i would go out in the evening to we had kind of like an outside shed um with a record player in it and like kind of work my way through those records starting with um starting with the times they were changing i think because he didn't have freewheeling okay <laughs> on final but yeah so from the times they were changing up to like maybe john wesley harding and okay yeah it, it kind of really opened my mind up like hearing those hearing those songs especially um like highway 61 um like songs like Ro- like a rolling stone and uh, tombstone blues now were yeah. any of your other were any of your other friends into this because that, that seems a little unusual for a 15 year old <laughs> to be into bob dylan i would imagine you did you have a um, lot of friends that were plugged into it the way you were no i didn't actually um probably not till i got to university um, okay but yeah, I mean, everyone has different different interests at that age, and kind of that was my kind of eccentricity. And I mean, like, <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I don't mean like when I was going to school, I was like just talking about Wilbur, but it was yeah, kind of a private private hobby and private private interest too. Your dad yeah. must have been thrilled. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a really nice part of our relationship that we have that to share together and. Um, yeah, so I've seen I've seen Bob Dylan with my dad in Bournemouth a few times and um, a few times in London when when he came up to visit me in London. So, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's nice to share that. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, I, like I said, uh, we're here to talk about Summer Days, which is track three from 2001's Love and Theft. And this uh, I, it, this episode sort of reminds me a little bit of the one I did a couple of uh, months back on Just Like Tom Thumb's Blues, where mm-hmm. I know there are songs that are – there are better songs on that record than Just Like Tom Thumb's Blues, but Just Like Tom Thumb's Blues is my favorite. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so I would say the same thing about Love and Theft. I think there are, quote-unquote, better songs, more complex songs – probably more rewarding songs on that record than Summer Days, but Summer Days is my favorite. Uh, it's just my, it, it, I mean, I just love that it's just like a fun rave up, yeah. which is, uh, I like that Bob uh, just is able to kind of cut loose like that. It's got all the crazy Dylan wordplay. In fact, this is one of his wordiest songs in terms of just how much he's trying to jam into any individual line, and we'll get mm-hmm. to that in a in a moment. But I do want to tell a brief little story about how I first heard this was, in August of 2001, I had gone on a trip to San Francisco with some friends, and it had been the first time I'd ever been there, and I really fell in love with that city, and it was it was a really great vacation, and I came back kind of on a high, and uh, just before one of my friends took me to the airport, we stopped at a bootleg record store uh, that occasionally had Dylan bootlegs, and he was like, do you want to check and see if they have anything you don't have? I said, yeah, so let's stop over there. So I went in, and I picked up 
I don't forget what I bought, two or three bootlegs or whatever. And as I went to the counter, the guy said, well, you know, he looked at what I was purchasing and he said, uh, you must be a Dylan fan. I said, yeah. He goes, well, did you know there's a new, he's got a new album coming out? And this is 2001. The internet certainly existed, but I wasn't on it a lot. And I certainly wasn't plugged into Dylan fandom at the time. And I think I had heard that there was a new album, but I didn't know much about it. And I was like, yeah, I thought I'd heard that. And he said, well, he goes, I actually have a uh, a sampler that they sent to the record store uh, of the new album. Do you want to hear something from it? And I was like, what? So uh, <laughs> he, he put it on and he put this song on. And this was one of the songs on the sampler. And, of course, this just didn't sound like anything Bob had done, especially coming after just a couple of years after Time Out of Mind, which was so kind of dour and sad. And then to hear this thing with that amazing guitar riff, and just it just sounded like so much fun. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I remember walking out into the parking lot with my friend, and I was literally jumping for joy. <laughs> I was so excited. I was so just like, this was, I mean, it was the, the perfect capper to a great trip was to know that there was a Bob Dylan album coming out uh, very soon and that it had something like this on it. I was just so excited. Now, you know, of course, the album would come out on September 11, 2001, and everything would turn to shit and pretty much stay that way until now. Uh, But at the moment, I was really, really happy. And I will always associate this song with that moment where I was, that was probably one of the most unguarded moments I've ever had in my life where I just was so completely overwhelmed with joy to hear the song. It's just so, so much fun. Um, So why did you, of all the songs we could have talked about, you sent me a list. Uh, Why did you have this one on your short list? I was trying to choose songs that are a little different, like kind of that kind of stand out from his catalog. And yeah, the reason I thought of this one is because it is very different. It's kind of maybe unique um, to his songs. Like like you mm-hmm. say, it's a dance track. You can you can put it on and just kind of jump around or dance around. And <laughs> right, there yeah. yeah, there aren't too many songs he's done that are like that. Um, no, and, <laughs> nobody's nobody's dancing to Lovesick. Or yeah, anything. and especially <laughs> in especially in two thousand one when when it came out, like it was even more probably a shot a shot out like you say um yeah because since then he's he's done more stuff in that style like um together through life is really like a dance kind of album i would say it's an album yeah that you can dance to but yeah like uh yeah when, when it came out i i remember i've heard this interview with that he did in rome to promote um love and theft and with like european journalists and one of the journalists says to him like like wow this is the first bob dylan album that you can dance to <laughs> and, <laughs> and bob and bob kind of just replies well yeah i'm sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and then also lyrically too um like you say kind of it just comes from this place of like humor and like he seems like totally at ease with everything oh yeah in the world like kind of like he's on top of the world and like all the words are just coming down from that place um you know like i'm driving in the flats in a cadillac car the girls will say (laughs) you're a worn out star That's such a that had to have happened to him. Yeah, in like, real life. That, like that, he's, he's taking the criticism, like you're a worn out star, and just kind of, um, you know, casting it off his back or whatever. It's yeah, not, not even affecting him. Um, yeah, I mean, but it's got a very cocky delivery yeah. in this yeah, song. For sure. I mean, I, I love that that next line from after you're you're worn out star. My pockets are loaded, and I'm spending every dime. I love <laughs> just love that. How can you say you love someone else when you know it's me all the time? And that is that's the beginning of him jamming so many words into the final line of each verse that I, I find it very sort of fun to listen to as he's yeah. just able to just 
shove all the stuff into this incredibly fast song. I mean, it's just, again, it's just, there's something very enjoyable about listening to Bob kind of stretch himself and be like, he can't possibly keep, and he just keeps singing faster and faster to get all the stuff in yeah, before the, he gets to the, the end of get, the line. The lines get longer and longer. Like, yeah. um, <laughs> she says, you can't repeat the past. They say, you can't? What do you mean you can't? Of course you can. Yeah. <laughs> That's one I'm line. Right. He, and, um, I, so yeah, I went through it. I went through it. It's 22 syllables, and it's, um, it's a four-beat line. So, yeah, it's really kind of showing how incredible he is at phrasing and uh, rhythms um, in the song. Yeah, he continues yeah. on. He says, well, the, the fog's so thick you can't spy the land. The fog is so thick you can't even spy the land. What good are yeah. you anyway? If you can't stand up to some old businessman, wedding bells ring and the, the choir's beginning to sing. Yes, the wedding bells ring and the choir's beginning to sing. Well, look good. what looks good in the day at night is another thing. She's looking into my eyes. She's holding my hand. She's looking into my eyes. She's holding my hand. She says, you can't repeat the past. I say you can't. What do you mean you can't? Of course you can't, which, of course, is lifted from the great Gatsby, right? Uh, which is Bob, you know, obviously loves the line so much he wants to get it all in, even though it doesn't really fit. Yeah. And I think there are probably a few levels to that as well. Like um, there often are in like Dylan songs. But um, so so one is the quotation and like Love and Theft is really the album where people started to notice like how much quotation there is in right, his, right. his songs and especially his recent songs. So yeah, like like just in the part we read, there's the line which uh, is from Confessions of a y- Yakuza, right? Right. right. Um, well, a good idea if you can't stand up to some old businessman. And then obviously, yeah, the, the one from Gatsby. Um, and I think maybe that's still playing around a little bit because maybe he's kind of a Gatsby figure. Like he changed his name. He kind of invented <laughs> another history for himself. Um, but then also when you say, like, you can't repeat the past, he's probably, maybe he's, like, taking on his critics there. You tell him, like, you know, you can't repeat the past. It's not the 60s anymore. You know, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you can't. But maybe maybe this album is him saying, like, well, I can't repeat the past, but I can, I can move on from it and I can do something that's just as good but but different. Um, so, yeah, maybe, maybe that line is kind of him um, kind of taking that and turning it around, saying... What, you can't repeat the past? What do you mean you can't? Of course you can. Like, like here's, here's an album that's just as good as Blonde on Blonde or Highway 61 or whatever. <laughs> I always took this, yeah. I mean, in terms of, you know, we we talk about this virtually every episode about what these songs, quote unquote, mean. And I, I try and stay away from that. It's more about what do they mean to me? Yeah. Or what do they mean to you? And I always kind of took it as this is a guy who is trying to romance back an old lover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, there's these, uh, suggestions that they're in kind of maybe some sort of small town, uh, or some sort of rural thing. And he's, you know, the, 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 the summer days are gone and, uh, he's saying, Hey, look, you know, night is falling in a, either a metaphorical way or a literal way, but I know there, where there's still something going on. I'm like, I can take you out of here. Yeah. We can go and do this thing. Take my hand and we can go off and do this other thing. Now, your suggestion that he's talking to his critics, that's always possible as well. I think he's talking to his critics probably quite a bit in, in a lot of different songs. But that's always sort of how I took it. Now, of course, every one of these lines doesn't fit that narrative, but most Dylan songs don't. There's always lots of stuff in here that you're like, well, I don't exactly know what's going on. This is clearly speaking to someone that he's yeah. has some familiarity with because he this is not a new love. I mean, he, he the next verse, he says, where do you come from? Where do you go? Sorry that it's nothing you would need to know. Oh, my back's been to the wall so long it seems like it's stuck. Why don't you break my heart one more time just for good luck? Uh, and then I got eight carburetors, boys. I'm using them all. I got eight carburetors and boys. I'm using them all. I'm short on gas. My motor's starting to stall. 
My dogs are barking. There must be someone around. My dogs are barking. There must be someone around. I got my hammer ringing, pretty baby, but the nails ain't going down. I always love that line, too. It's <laughs> like he's trying his best, and in some cases it's just not working, which I – again, it's – it's a, there's so many lines of frustration in this song, and yet yeah. the delivery is so sort of cocksure that it's really at odds with the yeah, insecurity of the Yeah, it's kind of like he just word. takes it all and kind of, yeah, twists it around and, or just like flies on past it and – uh, yeah. Like nothing, nothing is kind of troubling him. Like you know, some of the, some of the lines could be, could could have been on time out of mind, but yeah, here they mm-hmm. just here they just have a different kind of ring to them. Um, yeah, where he says like break my heart one more time for good luck. You know, like <laughs> that's a line you could imagine on time out of mind, but you know, it's mm-hmm. set, it's set to this kind of you know incredibly fast kind of dance dance rockabilly beat. And yeah, it's like it's like it doesn't bother him anymore. And actually, the music, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the beat because the the the, mus- the musicianship in this is is unbelievable. Now you found something, you sent it to me. Oh, yeah. uh, why don't you tell people like the the connection to another song that I didn't know existed, and then as soon as I've heard it, it, it it's unmistakable. Okay, so I was I was reading about um, like the recording process for Love and Theft, and um, I found this article on Scott Walmuth's blog, and Scott Walmuth is. Um, man he's kind of decoding and finding a lot of references in the the latest songs and um finding all the quotations and where they come from um so uh here uh the drummer david kemper was talking about how they were recording and he says we'd go in a rehearsal hall and we would just play for three days and a lot of times before we did love and theft i remember one period of three days where we'd play only dean martin songs <laughs> yeah, so obviously there's another in, like, bootleg series for you. Yeah, obviously, his interest in uh, like you know that period is it's not um, just from the last few years, like with the Frank Sinatra songs. Um, but anyway, he says we played them on the record player, we'd listen to them, he'd sing them, uh, and like Bob would kind of teach them how to play all these songs. Um, so the first day they went into record, he says, "All right, the first song we're going to start with is this song." He'd play it for us on his guitar, and he would say, "You know, I want to do it in the style of this song," and he'd play an early song. We started with Summer Days, and he'd play a song called Rebecca by Pete Johnson and Big Joe Turner. And then it became apparent to me that he'd been training us for, you know, a year, over a year, to learn these old styles. So, yeah, so they would, they would rehearse all these songs from, like, the 40s and 50s in concert. And when they came to um, lay down the album, this was still in recording with his touring band, he would, he would often have, like, a model in mind. And apparently the model for Summer Days is this uh, kind of swing song called called Rebecca. Um, and yeah, and you can find it on YouTube and kind of like the piano, the piano riff is pretty much the same as in Summer Days. Yeah, Summer, that, that, Summer like Days that. is a little faster perhaps and obviously it, it's with the guitars at all, kind of the dueling guitars, but like, but it has that same descending yeah, yeah. kind of sound to it. That kind of thing going yeah. down. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind I, of the inspiration of like one of these big band songs from the, the 40s or 50s, I, I would guess. Yeah, as soon as yeah. I clicked the link that you sent me, I was like three, five seconds into it. You're like, oh my god, yeah, yeah. that's exactly. What and we know that we know that Bob's a big fan of Big Joe Turner, and he even played with Big Joe Turner uh, when he was very, very young. Uh, there's a there's apparently some recordings there of mm-hmm. them doing "That's All Right, Mom" or something. So I mean, that's not surprising at all. But yeah, that's a I love that. I get I can't. Oh man, I don't want to get too far off on this tangent, but <laughs> think of all the stuff that must exist somewhere. That of like band rehearsals, yeah. all the stuff that they've just run through for fun or just to kind of get their get their energy going. Oh man, that's oh. yeah. And I've, <laughs> I, I mean, I've, I've read in other places that 
he'll kind of play whatever's whatever he's heard that day or whatever's kind of interesting him at the moment. Like um, uh, there's this interview with Rolling Stone where the journalist comes in and he's playing Like a Virgin by Madonna. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, it's in the 80s. So, yeah, I, I think Bob is just someone who kind of loves music and he'll absorb everything that he hears and um, kind of turn it around and make it his own in some way. Yeah. Yeah, I said it's. A, I said it's. A, it, I love finding that. I mean, he said. It, I mean, the name of the damn album is "Love and Theft." It, right. Uh, you know, he's putting it right out there, right, right in front of you. Yeah. Uh, and of course, you know, I mean, everybody was. I remember all that stuff at the time, and people were like, "Oh my God, he's stealing all these lines." It's like, well, he's been stealing lines for fifty years. You just know it now because of the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, before then, you couldn't, you know, just Google stuff and find it instantly. But I, I don't know. I just kind of met all this. Yeah, stuff and with, of course, like the shrug. The interesting thing is how he pieces them together. Um, right, right. He's he's kind of you know putting them together and making like new stories out of them, seeing how mm-hmm. they relate to each other. So yeah, it's it's not just as simple as kind of taking something from somewhere, but he's kind of turning it and making something entirely new out of it um, by by putting these kind of maybe like disparate things next to each other. Um, right. Like yeah, yeah, like you're saying, like almost every verse in in summer days, it could be the start of a different story uh, in some ways, you know. Right, because, I mean, yeah, it's, it all, it, they all seem to kind of hang together. In this yeah, and yet, they, and yet they connect and make and make something new. Yeah, he says, uh, you've got something to say, speak or hold your peace. You've got something to say, speak now or hold your peace. If it's information you want, you can get it from the police. Politicians got on his jogging shoes. He must be running for office, got no time to lose. Bob does love his dad jokes. Uh, Been sucking the blood out of the genius of generosity. You've been rolling her eyes. You've been teasing me. I'm standing by God's river. My soul's beginning to shake. Standing by God's river. My soul's beginning to shake. I'm counting on you, love, to give me a break. And then finally wraps it up with, I'm leaving in the morning as soon as the dark clouds lift. Leaving in the morning as soon as the dark clouds lift. Going to break the roof and set fire to the place as a parting gift. Man, do I love that line. <laughs> set fire to the place as a parting gift. Uh, summer days, summer nights are gone. Summer days, summer nights are gone. I know a place where there's still something going on. And if you want to, you could say that's the life of uh, an itinerant musician. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always some next gig. There's always, I mean... Setting setting fire to the place is a parting gift. I mean, that could be uh, what the musician does as the last song in the concert. It really brings the place down, and then he gets in his van and heads out for the next place where there's the next thing going yeah. on. I mean, this this could be that too, and I love that it has all that in there. Yeah, and also, um, it's Love and Theft is also kind of the album where he started integrating kind of more classical quotations, I think, into his work. So on, on Lonesome Day Blues, you have the line where it's, I'm going to spare the defeated, I'm going to speak to the crowd, I'm going to spare the defeated, I'm going to speak to the crowd, I'm going to teach peace to the conquered, I'm going to tame the proud, <laughs> which is which is taken from Virgil's Aeneid, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is, you know, like the great Roman epic. Um, and so maybe, maybe like setting fire to the place as a parting gift. I mean, that's it seems like it's something people would do in maybe like the Bronze Age, like warriors who kind of invade a town and then... Uh, like you know, destroy and, set, and then set fire and ride away. <laughs> so he he might have read that in like one of these Roman poems that he was reading at the time. There are there are a few more of those kind of images of like kind of war and conquest on love and theft, which is really interesting oh, yeah. because it's kind of like you know it's stylistically it's in this kind of 1930s or 40s like idiom, mm-hmm. um, these kind of old musical styles. But then you'll get a line like yeah, set fire to the place as a parting gift or. 
um, and here's create the imperial empire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he puts, he rhymes that with like I'm taking a streetcar named Desire. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean it's and yeah. of course when when Bob does this live, yeah. uh, he he you know he basically does this as a rave up. This yeah. is the kind of thing to really get the the audience up and going. And I think I even read in an interview with him about something where he was remarking about time out of mind and said that one of the things he was a little disappointed with that album was that he felt sonically, it was a little on the drab side. And he said, he felt like his albums needed a little more of a balance. Yeah. And you could look at that and say, well, that's pretty much what's going on with all of the Jack Frost records is they do kind of have that slow, fast, slow, fast, slow, fast kind of tempo to them. And, you know, just on a practical matter, I mean, Bob is a touring musician. He clearly sees himself as that more than anything else. And, it's nice to be able to have some songs you can play every so often that just gets that's like a bolt of lightning that just gets everybody moving. Yeah. And this is one of those songs. I mean, the minute he starts doing it, uh, people flip out and you hear that da 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 da. People go nuts. And uh, I think it's, it's if you we, if we look at how many times he's played this live between 2001 and 2018, he has played this 885 times. Yeah, I think it's I the mean, most that's, played song from Love and Theft, probably. Yeah, that's a yeah. lot. That's a lot for, for the, I mean, it's, it's 17 years of touring, but still, that's a lot. There are songs that are 50 years old that don't even have anywhere close to that. So this is clearly something he and the band enjoy playing. And again, it's a fun one to listen to. I've heard him do it live several times, and it really just gets everybody moving and stuff like that. And you, as you said at the top of the show, it's a Bob Dylan song you can dance to, and there aren't that many yeah. like that. And that's what's that's what's fun about it. And it's again, it's I just hear it, and it just makes me smile every time I every time I put it on because it's just it's just a fun uh, up tempo number, but it's got that grit to it. It's got that s- sort of sarcastic kind of thing to it. I mean, it's just it's just a load of fun. Yeah, um, and I mean, like, yeah, part of that is, is the words, right? They're so kind of um, alive. I mean, some some of the like the actions being described like i'm standing on the table i'm proposing a toast to the king well you can imagine someone like you know jumping up on a you know medieval banquet table and <laughs> you know mm-hmm. holding holding their goblet in the air and proposing a toast to the king um you know driving in the flats in a cadillac car you know they, they put you right in the image um and, and of course there's yeah. a picture of him on the love and theft record of him driving an open With a classic top car right? yeah. <laughs> you know so i mean <laughs> he's yeah. doing all that and stuff i always figured that proposing a toast to the king is yet another elvis reference in the in a oh, list that's of interesting great many yeah. elvis records he's proposing a toast to the king yeah. i always took that that's what i that kind of means. i kind of always imagined it as like um kind of shakespearean image like like I know he likes watching these like old Lawrence Olivier Shakespeare movies and yeah, so I kind of saw it like that kind of image. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe it's the king being Elvis too. <laughs> I was, you know, I mean, it, in Bob's mind it probably works all the, it could all be the anything. same way. Yeah, yeah really, could work all those sorts of things. Yeah, it's just, it's just said it's it's a really fun tune, and this yeah. was uh, this was later put on the best of Bob Dylan. Uh, sort of greatest hits compilation and this was never a hit this was right. never released as a single or anything but i always figure a lot of those things are kind of like personal favorites and i think this is probably something bob yeah won. it certainly is one of the most com- he really loves like it i would guess yeah. yeah it certainly is one of the most sort of commercial sounding mm-hmm. songs and it's it's a song that i've played for some people and they just can't believe that that's bob dylan until they get to that voice but when you first hear it they're like really this is bob dylan's like yeah yeah he can do this stuff too he can just he can cut loose and have some fun sometimes it's not always uh it's not all times they are changing you know yeah and and yet like some of the lines um 
you know, they could they could be in um, a lot of his songs. Like, where do you come from? Where do you go? That's kind of the two like biggest questions people have, right? And you, you can imagine mm-hmm. that being in, um, you know, Blind Willie McTell or something, one of those really deep songs about God <laughs> and man. <laughs> Uh, so he, yeah, he has these two big questions: Where do you come from? Where do you go? But then the next line: Sorry, that's nothing you would need to know. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I love yeah, I love the I love the dismissive tone yeah. of that. Sorry, that was that's nothing you would need to know. Which is this <laughs> is great. And I mean, I will say, I mean, at the time we're recording this, it's it's October, uh, and uh, it's a it was a very warm day around here yesterday. Mm-hmm. But uh, but as of tomorrow, the the weather starts changing, and I'm a big summer guy, and so. When summer ends, it always makes me a little sad. I, I I don't like winter, and I'm you know as I head into it, and the the days get longer and darker, and I you know go to work in the dark, and I leave in the dark. It all becomes kind of tough for me to 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 get through. And so this is sort of a an affirmational kind of thing where it's I still know where there's something going on, even though I can't I can't pack up and leave the way Bob can. Uh, I can sort of you know, transpose myself a little and be like, Oh yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like to imagine that, yeah, go to somewhere where the sun is still shining and it's still warm. And it's, it makes me just, I don't know. The song just makes me happy. Yeah. I think it kind of makes you think about aging too. Um, mm. cause yeah, obviously he's in his, the autumn of my, his years now, which is, I think that was one of the songs on uh triplicate. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah like, so like the summer, the summer days are gone, but like he still knows a place where there's something going on. So he's still, He's still alive. He's still kicking. <laughs> he's still doing it. Yeah. Still doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like I said, it's a it's a terrific song. And he said, you had on your list of songs you sent me, this was the one that right. really jumped out at me because yeah. it's, it, I just love it so much. And I'm glad we had a chance to – I finally had a chance to talk about it on the show. So, uh, I think that's going to do it for Summer Days. Well, Sam, thank Great. you so much for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I love talking to as many different Dylan fans as I can. So, I love speaking to new people. So, thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure. All right. Well, again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Of course, you want to listen to back episodes of the show, go to the website, firewaterpodcast.com. You can also subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. We're always talking Bob over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. And, of course, you can support this show and the Firewater Podcast Network in general over on Patreon at patreon.com slash fwpodcasts. And if you pledge at a certain level, you can get name-checked on uh, a show of your choice. And so I always, always have to thank Robert Ward, who specifically has to be named on Pod Dylan for his contribution. So thank you so much, Robert. So again, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, we will see you guys later. Bye.
How can you say you love someone else? You know it's me all the time. Lord by Lord. 